Welcome to episode 10 of the Pop Anime Comics Lounge. This week we go a little Resident Evil with Hope Levy, the voice of Rebecca Chambers. But before we get into that, I would like to remind everybody to check out popanimecomics.com and click on the affiliate links in the articles. Brings you right to Amazon.com. If you purchase something from Amazon.com, I get a small commission which helps to keep my podcast production costs lower. Also, we have a song of the week this week done by Hope Levy called Where Do All the Phone Booths Go? It can be found on iTunes. And without further ado, here's the song of the week. Where did all the phone booths go? They were just here only yesterday. Yesterday's now ten years gone. Time flies by when you're having fun. How did I forget to bid goodbye to my confidant? Someone from back home My own private world Where I could run away to close the glass doors And then And what I wouldn't give to see a phone booth On the streets of L.A. again It's like the crackly sounds on an old LP It's the familiar that I miss Or the gentle touch of a first row into voice acting I got into voice acting because I was doing tons of theater in Los Angeles and uh, one of the directors I had worked with in a very <clears throat> unusual theater piece just it was a very abstract piece called me up one day and he goes hope um, have you you know would you like to audition for this HBO little like promo thing that I'm working on it's an animated promo thing and it might turn into something else. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. That would be great. And so I auditioned for it and I got it. And it was my first animation voiceover gig ever. And I ended up working with Tim Curry and Charlie Adler. So it was just the three of us in a studio. And I was losing my mind because I just couldn't believe who I was working with. Like, 
the godfathers of voiceover. So it was really exciting. And then from there, I thought, you know what? I should learn a little bit about the craft of voice acting and learn how to, you know, work behind a microphone. So I took numerous uh, animation classes, commercial voiceover classes. And then when I felt like I was quote unquote ready, I put together my demo and then I got my agent and I started working more consistently. So you took classes in animation. Did you take any classes yes. in specific voice training? Well, I had always had voice training because of my theater that I would do. And I'm a singer. So I've, um, I always, st I had studied for years, um, voice, you know, music and, and singing. <laughs> and then just, I think the sheer act of getting up on stage and performing and projecting, that was the best training for me. Because obviously if I couldn't be heard, uh, my director or stage manager would tell me that. <laughs> or So I think just the consistency of getting up on stage, doing improv, um, I was in an improv group at one time and um, just theater itself is, and plus my music training my, as a singer, it was really the perfect training um, for as, as far as projecting and learning how to work with my voice. But in terms of working on characters, the best training was uh, the improv classes that I took. I took stuff at the Groundlings and then um, just working with different animation casting directors who were teaching at the time. So what was your first role and how did you get into that role? Well, the, the first, um, my first like consistent role that I had was I did this really amazing little part. It was just like a very incidental part. I remember my agent just threw me this copy and said, oh, it's just like a couple lines for this new pilot. And it was this boy and it said he's 12 to 13 and he mumbles <laughs> and uh, it was for that the studio Klasky Chupo, and uh, I did this part. It was his name was Chet Zipper, and I got the role. And then it turned into four years of work as as like a sidekick on the show, as told by Ginger. And uh, so that was like my first like big break. So how do you get into a character? Well, um, the best thing is you just read. You know, the more information you're given from the copy that's provided, like, for instance, with that character, it said he mumbles. But I was thinking, well, how do you mumble and talk? Because the character was supposed to be a kid who actually did, like, the morning announcements at his schools. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, how? <laughs> First of all, why would this kid get picked? So I started, like, thinking about, well, he must be, like, kind of, like, a loner kid and they're trying to boost up his confidence. So I was thinking about like, he's a kid, they're just trying to give him something to do to make him feel better about himself. And so he really thinks he's talented at this. And, and then I kind of came up with this little like mumble that he would do in between his lines. And I visual, I had like my own visualization of like how he stood and, and then I dropped my voice. Like I, I, I brought him down to like my, my, my boy, my boyhood. <laughs> I was finding finding my inner boy, and I was kind of like just I don't know, just kind of making him like, hey, I'm just like this kid who I feel really good about myself because I like um get to say things and the other kids get to listen. So I think I just like was exploring with my imagination, and it worked. That's all I can say. It, it got me a job <laughs> for a few, you know, four years. It was really fun. 
I still think this character should come back in some capacity because um, it was a really strong, fun character. So it's one of those things like, oh, I should write something for that character or call it something else since I don't own the rights to that character. But I love that the character I created. So I'm like, he needs to come back somewhere, someday. So I'm always hoping that someday he will come back in some incarnation. So that's how I created him. You've also had voice roles in some anime films uh, mm -hmm. from Studio Ghibli. Right. How'd you get those? Well, those were like, the first time I did a couple of those, actually, um, I got those through my agent, and it was one of those things where the casting director called my agent and said, hey, can you recommend um, some actors that are really good with doing kids' voices? And that's always been kind of my specialty. And my agent at the time um, basically chose me, and I, I, I went in, and I think I had to like audition for like just they wanted to hear the different kind of kids' voices I could do, and uh, because of the versatility, I could do boys and girls and different age ranges. Um, I got this job on this anime project called Pompoko, and it was through Disney, so I did that, and then that led to getting another job called for uh, Howl's Moving Castle. So it was kind of like once I was in and the casting people like knew me, they kind of, they brought me in for other stuff. So that's, it's like one job begets another job. That's, that's kind of the goal in our business is to try to get jobs that turn into other jobs where you're just referred into it, which is always really nice, a nice gift. It's a wonderful gift when that happens. So yeah, it's been really a nice little ride. It just, it, I've been able to work on their other projects as well. So it's been fun. So you've worked on what, what I call a cartoon as told by Ginger and you worked on a Miyazaki film as mm -hmm. well as Studio Ghibli. How do the two differ from, you know, American, you know, cartooning to Japanese animation with voice acting? Well, with the Japanese anime, they already have a template. They already have, they even have kind of the built-in rhythms because the characters are already animated. So it's our job as American voice actors to fit our, the, the new dialogue, the American dialogue, the, I'm sorry, the English dialogue into what was once Japanese. So... Sometimes you have to speed up. Sometimes the words just don't really fit. So you have to like speed it up or take out certain words. And so it's it's definitely a different muscle because you have to, it's more timing. Your, your voice has to fit the timing of the original. And that can be a challenge sometimes um, versus doing an original character. They're going to animate, the animators animate to me, to the actor versus the other way around. So... Of course, it's much, you know, it's a much, it's great when <clears throat> you have animators animating to your own rhythm and, and your own body, you know, sounds and efforts versus having to, you know, make it work into what's already created. But still, it's, it's definitely an honor to get to do these anime films because they're so well respected and viewed and they're beautiful. They're just, the quality of the animation is just incredible and, um, you know, so it's just, yeah, it's a different, it's a different beast. It's definitely, you got to have rhythm. And I think as a singer, which is my primary background, it, it definitely helps to find how things fit, how dialogue fits. Music, it's kind of like music. It just has to 
kind of flow. So I think it, I think all that training has, has definitely helped fit into anime. So obviously you've had many shows with Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them was Rugrats. Uh -huh. How'd you get into Rugrats? Well, that was also one of those incredible little gifts. I, I think I did audition for one role and then because they knew me, because I was already working on their other show, as told by Ginger, it was kind of like, oh, Hope's perfect for that. She can do, you know, a, 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 a 12-year-old camp counselor. Or I think I was like, I did like a 12-year-old camp counselor. And then I, I, work, I was like a kid that worked at like a, a burger place and like a board teen. So it was like, I did a bunch of um, like incidental characters because they already knew me and they knew my voice and the casting director at the time, Barbara Wright, like she was amazing. She would just like throw me in stuff. <laughs> was like, Oh yeah, they know me. <laughs> so, and the cre and the, um, the people who owned Klasky also were familiar with me. So again, it, it helps when a studio or when the casting people already are familiar with what you do, because then if it's like a small part, they can just throw you in. And then a lot of times it'll turn into, a bigger role or it'll be a recurring role. So I don't know how that happened. <laughs> and then you also were in Winx Club Beyond mm -hmm. the X. Yeah. That, now that's a project that I guess every few years it seems to have a new incarnation because I know the Winx Club has been around a number of years. <clears throat> and Nickelodeon brought it back. And I just auditioned for this one character. I can't even She was like um, a sea creature. She was like kind of head of all these other uh, sea creatures. It was a minor character. And I auditioned for that character. And then I, then I didn't get that role. But then they thought, oh, she'd be perfect for this other role. So Sonia. Son so <laughs> so I, I did that character. And that turned into like a year, two years of work. Um, that was really a fun character as well. Cute little sea creature in the under in the sea lands because the Wings Club dealt with different um, different parts of you know the world, like their high school area or their wizard clubs where they were training, and then the underworld. So whenever they were in the sea, my character came back. That's how that worked out. But I did audition for that uh, character, and like I said, it turned it was a different part that I was offered. So how does an audition work, just for people who aren't exactly familiar with this entire voice, right. actress, actor, community? Well, I would say that 90% uh, of our auditions now, basically, they come through your agent. They're on this, um, the agent basically downloads the copy, then they send it, they email it to us, and we basically record it at our house our own private, you know, studio. And when I say a studio, it's, you know, some of us just use the corner of their living, of our living rooms. If it's quiet, you just need a quiet, well-insulated place. You basically just uh, read the copy. And if you have any questions, you ask your agent to be a little more specific. If they have any extra insight, it's always good to know like what studio uh, the project is for so that you know a little more of what they might be looking for. <laughs> and then, you just work on it like any acting piece of copy. You, you you flush it out. You figure out who the character is, what they want, even what they probably look like. Because a lot of the time you don't get a picture of the character. Most of the time you don't. 
So it's kind of up to us to go, hmm, I wonder what she might or he might look like. And so it's kind of our job to just kind of dig down as deep as we can. And there's so much to think about when you do an audition. You know, there's timing, there's projection, there's who are you talking to? Where are you? You know, what do, what are you doing? What do you want? It's all the basic acting beat. And then when I feel like I've maybe nailed it or in my own idea of it sounds good, I'll email it to my agent. Sometimes I'll do one take. Sometimes I'll do two takes. I email it to the agent. The agent listens to it and hopefully it makes the cut. And then they email it. They actually put it up on this thing called voice bank. And then the casting people uh, basically listen to all these auditions in batches. And I know the casting people are getting sometimes 300 to maybe 1,500 auditions. So it's really... Um, because of this voice bank and because now we all do stuff at home and then email, everything's MP3'd, it's definitely, I feel it's sometimes more challenging to get a job because when I first started over 15 years ago, we would be brought into the casting director's office and we could get direction right then and there. And sometimes you'd meet the, the cat, you know, the production and the writer or, or producer and they got a chance to get to know you a little, how you work. So I felt like it was more of an advantage when when we could go in and meet people and have them see us and hear us live and in person. So now it's definitely more of a challenge. And it's also more open to so many people because A-list actors now, as you know, are, are, are also doing auditioning for the same roles because they can audition anywhere. They can audition in their trailer if they're working on a movie. You know, They can audition in Europe and send it into their agent. And then if they book it, they can just book a studio where they are and patch it in, kind of, or Skype it in. <laughs> so it's definitely become, I feel the business has become much more competitive to get jobs because it is so open to, the net is so open to, um, you know, hearing from much more <laughs> out there, which is good for many people and good and bad, you know. So that's how it, that's how it works. Basically. So, what was your most challenging voice that you did for Nickelodeon? I don't even remember because I'm trying to. Rem- I feel like they usually would give me when I would get um, a role. It was always something that I could do that was not really, a, you know, it was fun. It was always really like, yay! <laughs> this is exact. I love doing this voice. Or, I mean, I think the most challenging thing was trying to get them to hear me to do maybe a mom voice because like, Oh no, 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 no. You're a kid. You're a kid. It's like once you start working sometimes in one type of capacity, it's hard for people to entertain the idea that, Oh wait, no, no, she could do a mom or she could do like an evil person. You know, it's true. You, I mean, everybody gets basically, most of us get typecast and, and honestly it's, it's not a problem because I mean like we all just want to work, but sometimes you're like, Oh, Oh, I'd love to do that part, but they don't, it's like, you can't ask for it because you don't want to be obnoxious when you're in this booth, but um, sometimes you'll hear them go, oh, we got to get somebody to do that, that role of blah, blah, blah. Oh, we'll give it to blah, blah, blah. And you're like going, oh, I could have done that. <laughs> Just give me a chance, please. <laughs> but so I think the, the, the challenge is hopefully getting to audition for something and then not being closed minded to your audition. So that maybe they will go, you know what, 
wait a minute, she really could do that. Uh, so I think that's the, to me, that's the challenge is, is, is trying to break out of stereotypes. And um, in terms of games, though, I mean, that question works better for games because the challenge in games is, of course, the screaming and how to, how to do all those sounds and screams and cries and not kill your voice because it's really hard not to. You know, when you're when you're doing a four hour session and it's primarily, you know, battle cries or, or getting getting shot or getting slammed by um, a, a cement block or getting punched or you're throwing a punch. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot on your voice and you really have to have energy for those. So to me, that's the most challenging is, is having that energy for four hours if, if, in a game. Cause I've, and, and just not killing your voice, protecting your voice, you know, as best as you can. You've also done a bunch of voice acting for movies. Mm -hmm. How do those differ from television voice acting, if they do? Well, again, it's um, the animation ones um, to me are a little more fun. <laughs> I think it's more fun to, to animate an animated character because I feel like... Um, I don't know. I, it, it feels like you you don't you can do more. I can do more with it. It's it it's not as technical sometimes um, versus a film. Once you see it, or or like for instance, let's put it this way: in a film, a lot of times I have to do voice matches. So for a voice match specifically um, in a movie, they already know what they're looking for. But I mean, I kind of sound like I'm contradicting myself because also in anime in anime. They did have the Japanese, let's say they had the foreign voice, so they'll want to hear something similar. But I think you do. I do have more liberty um, to play around with the voice quality in animation, in an animated project versus live action. I do do a lot of live action. I do work on a lot of TV shows. And again, I get hired, which is great. I love it. <laughs> I get hired to do kids' voices because, um, let's say... Um, like there's a show called Togetherness, and uh, there's a lot of kids in that show. So whenever you see kids, um, it's always revoiced or sweetened, as they say. They've added extra voices, like in the playground scenes or school scenes, um, daycare scenes, and and we can do. I can do any kind of voice, any type of voice, as long as it fits in that age range. So there's so much liberty given to a background voice. You know what I mean? So if you have um, if you just have like a, you know, it's basically, it's been, the track has been sweetened uh, to make it come alive. Because when you, when they film, I don't know if people know this, but when you, when you film anything, people in the background are not allowed to give voice. They're, they, they have to be in the moment, act like they're talking, but they're actually not allowed to speak or have any sound while the main action is going on. So people are basically trying to look normal and act comfortably while nothing is really, no sound is coming out of their mouth. So then I'm brought in with a group of other people a lot of times for TV shows and films too, to sweeten the tracks, bring voice, bring character, uh, bring a life to the sound, to the action. So there's definitely a lot of um, flexibility in terms of creating characters. If it's, again, if it's not a voice match, if it's just laying in like a, a, a basic a track. 
um, to go with like a playground scene. You, we can basically say anything that is positive and, and, you know, goes with the scene. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> so talking about games, which you mentioned before, yeah. um, you played Rebecca Chambers yeah. in Resident Evil. What yeah. was the hardest thing playing her character? Well, I realized, I mean, it's already like one of the first games. It was definitely an early game um, to come out. And when I think, I believe that was my first game I ever voiced. So I honestly didn't know what to expect because I, re I think um, for the audition, you know, it was maybe two pages, three pages of dialogue. And then when I went to the session, it was like, I mean, hundreds of lines, maybe 300 lines or something. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. 300 lines? <laughs> like, it, it was kind of overwhelming because I, it was brand new to me. I, I was like, oh, my God. That's a lot. It just seemed like when you look at it on paper, it looked like a lot. But um, I think it, it was a four-hour session. And I was like, gee, I was glad I ate breakfast before that session because, you know, you definitely um, – you got to bring food. You have to you have to prepare for those. <laughs> um, but it was uh, it was a cool project to be a part of because it definitely people still play it. Um, I get fan letter emails, and you know it's still it's it's one of those little gifts that just keeps coming back. So it was fun. Once I got through the shock of how many lines there were. <laughs> You've also voice acted in the games Spyro games and Final Fantasy games. Mm -hmm. What were challenging about these games? Because they're different than Resident Evil. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, well, like, the Resident Evil obviously is a little more film uh, cinematic, I guess, as we call it, or more like film acting. And, of course, the um, Spyro and all those kind of... I do a lot of those high-energy ones. So those um, are much more higher energy, more childlike. The fan I call them, like, the fantasy games. Um, but the, even those are kind of their own category because I, I know I do a lot of those um, Giants and Spy, Skylanders, those kind of games. Those are for kids or not for kids, but younger, the young, younger audience they can be for. So they're definitely more, they're not so film acting. It's it's not film acting. It's, it's I mean, it still has to be real and it, it's a real character and a real person and it has to be believable, but it definitely has a higher energy to it and... Yeah, I think it's really more of the energy. It's much more. It's just totally different character in terms of energy. So, so outside of voice acting, you also mm -hmm. have a musical career. Uh huh. When did you start to you know write, sing, and produce your music? Well, I have always been in bands off and on and uh, covering other people's music, and I realized a couple. Probably ten years ago, I real I was I started to write. I seriously start writing songs, and I had a band, a very short lived band called Hope I Dream of Jeannie, and we started. It was a friend of mine named Jeannie Novak, who's also um, in the a game. Um, she writes books on game development, and she has a game company as well. Um, she's a talented singer and songwriter. And so we just kind of just for fun, we thought let's just collaborate and just do some original material. So I. I started writing with her, um, but then we just kind of, I, I got pregnant, and then she's like, oh, I know, once you have that baby, you're not going to be singing anymore, <laughs> and, it's, and it kind of did happen, you know, once you have a kid, you kind of, you can't do, you can do anything, but you can't do everything, so I kind of put that on the back burner, the original stuff, and 
and singing live, performing live. But then um, about a year and a half ago, I read this Patti Smith book, uh, Just Kids. And I don't know, that book just like inspired me to kind of pick up my art, what I really love to do, which is which is sing and perform and write music. That's my my favorite thing. <laughs> and so I just started doing it again and, and writing about things that are relevant in my life and also the city I live in. And um, so I decided to kind of just self-produce, um, well, actually, I co-produce a, a CD, and it just came out at the end of May called Hopefully Menagerie. And uh, started. I did a little mini a mini tour, and I'm actually still in the middle middle of it. I will be doing more gigs, um, but it was it's kind of my my pet project, my personal pet project. And I think the goal is just to perform and and continue to perform, bring music to people, and then if I can get a song or two in a independent film or a TV show, that would be incredible. Because I do come in contact with a lot of music supervisors and music people when I'm working on different films and TV shows. And I'm and it's good to have a product to just say, hey, here's my CD. Take a listen to it. You never know. Something might fit what you're working on right now. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been, it's been really fun. It's been exciting doing that. Because it's like when you do your own thing, you have control over... Your, my, I have control over the material I do and what I sing about versus waiting for other people to bring the material to me. So I think I think every artist, we all have to survive and we all do our whatever it is to survive. And, and it's great when it's a lot of fun, like voice acting is so much fun. But it's also great to have a little more control over your career and at least over the art part of it. So that's why I'm really, I feel really fortunate that I have another outlet versus just waiting for the phone to ring and be offered a job. So it's been fun. It's been really creatively stimulating. And yeah. <laughs> you, you also had a song in Shrek. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? Oh, that was unbelievable. So I was in a band, although I, I sometimes I'm kind of like the on-call singer when somebody else isn't available. I sing with this really funny bar band in Los Angeles called the Rumble Bees, and I was singing uh, back up for my friend Mike Himmelstein, who also is a songwriter and he writes uh, for Disney and PBS shows. He's very talented uh, lyricist, hilarious in fact, <laughs> and uh, so he goes. He's like, hey, I have this like bizarre opportunity. It's a long shot, but there's this movie for DreamWorks, and hey, I'm gonna give it a shot. Let's just, you know, are, do you want to sing on it? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? Yeah. So, um, me and my friend, who was also a singer with the band, uh, Jill Levine, we we did this funny song called "Welcome to Duloc," and then uh, Mike Himmelstein's like. Uh, you're not going to believe it, but I think the song is going to be in the film, and it's called Shrek. And I'm like, Shrek? What a what a bizarre name. <laughs> okay. Um, and I was thinking at the back of my mind, yeah, right. I'm sure it's really going to be like, it's like, you know, you hear stories like you, you get your you get your hopes up, and you hear that something's going to get picked up, or it's going to get in a film, or blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you don't want to be jaded, but you don't want to, I don't want to be too overzealous. Zealous. So... Um, then he called me again. He's like, uh, they really, really like the song and they want us to just kind of re-record it. And I really think it's going to make it in the film. So we re-recorded it. And lo and behold, 
it is in the movie Shrek. So <laughs> when you watch Shrek 1, the first one, there's a funny scene where um, Shrek and the donkey go to, uh, you know, it looks like uh, the Magic Kingdom or whatever, the castle, and they have to put like a coin in to, to actually enter the castle, and and then uh, <coughs> this little box opens up, and it goes, do-do-do-do-do, and then we sing, welcome to do lot such a perfect time. It's a silly song. So that is me and my friend Jill. So that was a really great, wonderful experience. <laughs> and then we got to sing it again at the Annie, Annie Awards that year. So that was, that was cool. Now you also have a project, uh, World of Liberty. Mm -hmm. Can you describe that project briefly? Oh yeah. Well, it's actually my, a really dear friend of mine who's also um, a voice actress. Her name is Amber Hood. And she wrote um, an app um, called the World of Liberty, and it's like a, a, a teaching app for kids to learn about different parts of America. And she had asked me if I wanted to write a theme song for it, and I'd never written a theme song before. Well, actually, I take that back. I'd written one theme <laughs> song before for my own project that I was trying to sell at one time, and that's right, she had heard it, and she thought it was really cute, and then she's like, do you want to try giving it a crack on my project? And I was like, okay, I'd love to. So I wrote the theme song. Uh, for Liberty, and uh, it's now her theme song that she's using for her apps, and she's written, come up with two of them. Uh, it's Raining Pumpkins in Delaware, and oh my gosh, she has a second one that just came out, so you got to go online and check it out, <laughs> The World of Liberty, and uh, my song, and, and I'm also singing the theme song called Liberty, so it's really cute. It was, so check it out. If you have a kid, especially for kids between the age of like three to six, it's like that market. So that's been really fun to do. And, and I believe Amber wants to develop it into either like a book series and maybe an animated series. And it's, it's really, it's adorable. And it, it should be something on like Disney Junior or for PBS. It's because it's your kids will learn everything there is to learn about a little about our state cap or the capitals of each um, state and it's fun to work with a good friend I mean it's always it's just so neat when you get that opportunity to work with some of your best friends so that was really serendipity too so do you have any promos Facebook Twitter website music I love that you asked yes I do so um, if you're interested I would love you to become my Facebook fan and for my music uh, page so if you go to www.facebook.com slash fan. you can go onto my fan book page and then you can subscribe and find out if I'm performing at a city near you and um, I also have my, my uh, CD menagerie is available online on cdbaby.com just type in Hope Levy menagerie um, it's on iTunes it's on Amazon.com. You can go to my personal uh, webpage at hopelevy.com slash music. And if you type in Yahoo or Google, or what am I saying? Well, you can type in Google too, but you can go to YouTube and put in Hope Levy, where did all the phone booths go? And you will see a couple of my uh, phone booth videos. So that's, uh, I have a, I have one uh, video that it has a record player on it. So when you see the icon with the record player, click on it, and you can see or hear one of my songs. 
from my CD, Menagerie. Thank you, everybody, who listened to this week's podcast. As always, subscribe to where you listen to your podcast so it finds you, you don't find it. As well as, please check out popanimecomics.com where there will be a link to Hope Levy's CD on the tab, support the podcast. And hopefully I will be seeing you next week for another great episode of the Pop Anime Comics Lounge.